Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited about my show. Uh, my guest today is Amy Roloff, and I am so anxious to talk with her. Let me just preface a little bit by telling you a little bit about Amy. Um, and once again, thank you for joining me today on Heaven Sent and Bent. Um, I am Renee Steelman, your host, and I'm excited to share with you uh, stories from everyone uh, pe- people that I know from uh, all over the community and even, you know, nationally and internationally that have that lived the same kind of lives that we all do. We all have adversities. We all have trials. We all have things that we're working on. We all have relationships that we need to improve upon or find or, or, or love more or do something about. And so I love sharing people's stories, you know, of how they've gone through adversity, how they get through trials, how they have found peace and happiness in their life. And I can't think of a better person than Amy Roloff to talk about this subject today. You probably best know Amy from her uh, TV show, Little People Big World, which is broadcast on the TLC channel. And um, she is currently filming her 10th season. And I'll have to talk to Amy about whether she ever thought that it was going to go on that long. But she has um, just uh, appeared in a number of different media outlets and The View, Jay Leno, Oprah, Good Morning America, just, you know, People Magazine, all kinds of different appearances, been, uh, you know, guest hosts on TV and radio and all kinds of things, talking about her family, especially talking about her uh, challenges and obstacles, of a childhood illness and living with dwarfism and, and how that hasn't stopped her from having a purpose and having value and, and, and she shares her story of inspiration and motivation and I'm going to have her share those things with us today. Um, I'm especially excited to talk about her nonprofit, the Amy Roloff Charity Foundation and everything that she's done with this, uh, grassroots organization and, and so let's not waste any more time. Let's get Amy on the line and let's start chatting. Amy, how are you this morning? Morning. Great, Renee. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Oh, I am so excited, and I don't know about you, but are you still on an adrenaline buzz from that fabulous wedding on Saturday? You know, I am. In fact, I was just uh, ending breakfast here with Corey and Zach, and I tell you, the Lord was good. We were definitely worried on Saturday oh, with my the pouring clouds and everything. I'm like. Please, of all days, after this 90-degree heat wave we've been having, and yes. we just needed this one day, so it ended up beautifully and wonderfully, and they look great, and they're happy, and they'll be leaving for their honeymoon later tonight, and so I'm just so excited. I've, I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed that both my boys have chosen such wonderful, wonderful young women to, to you know, take this journey in life with and spend, spend the rest of their life. So it's, it's Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You know, I think when our children are small, we are just so concerned about, you know, their education and their health. And and, uh, you know, we don't really put a lot of time 
when they're little, even when they start dating, I don't think you really start thinking about, wait a minute, this is like forever. Let's, let's really think about the kind of people that they might get, you know, uh, hooked up with. And, and, and then when you, they really do, you know, finally match up with fabulous, wonderful people, you just kind of go, whew, that was amazing. But, Oh, yeah, Amy, the weather. So oh, my gosh. Like you were saying, I mean, 90 degrees, hot, dry, sunny every day. And then Saturday, what? Oh. But, you know, it ended up so perfectly because I thought, isn't that what life and challenges and, you know, happen? Yes. And how do you deal with it? Yeah. You know, everyone could have gotten depressed and like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be ruined. This wedding's going to be horrible. Me? And, you know, I just look at it and I'm thinking, you know, Tori and Zach are going to be facing a lot of challenges in marriages. Don't we all know it? Yeah. And there's going to be ups and downs and stuff. And, um, but I think, you know, they're going to be two great people and they, they communicate, they, they, they have their faith. And I, you know, I, I sincerely, you know, think, um, they're going to go for the long haul. And on Sunday, it rained a little bit and then a rainbow came out. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, what a way to end this perfect yeah, weekend. Yeah. As to, yes, challenges will happen, but you know, for me and you know, my family is, but God is always there. Yeah. And his promises uh, still stand today. So it, it, it was lovely. Wonderful, wonderful weekend. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you, that you, that you compared that to the fact that we can plan all we want to. We can think that things are going to go. It, it doesn't matter how detailed you are. There are certain things that you don't have control over. And I love that you associated just even the beginning of their life and their marriage with, well, how are we going to get over this challenge? What are we going to do with this? Let's take this and, and, and make it a positive thing. I love that you just compared that. That was fabulous. Well, well, I, so, I just look at it it's like, man, if, if, if we can't face a little bit of rain, there's going to be thunderstorms in life. We yeah. can do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially out here in the Northwest. I mean, come on. It's either going to be 97 degrees and the chocolate's melting off the cake or a little bit of rain. So I'll take the rain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think so, they do. I think they do. Everybody kind of knows you from the show, but... I don't know how much everyone knows about, you know, your childhood and growing up in Minnesota. And, boy, talk about weather. You're used to a whole different climate out there. But talk a little bit about what it was like growing up and some of the challenges that you faced, some of the illnesses, and just just things that, that made you who you are. Well, it's one of the things when I do speaking engagements all over, you know, just inspiring, motivational, and, you know, to the various numbers of organizations and groups. I don't go into the TV a lot because I obviously ask, you know, how many people have actually seen this show? And, Mm -hmm. you know, half the time, majority of them have. So I don't really go into the TV a lot because it's like, well, you've already seen the show. I want to tell you a little bit more about who Amy is and why she does what she does and thinks what she does thinks and, you know, maybe the person give you a little more in depth or, or a perspective on who Amy is that you don't always get from the show because, exactly. you know, it's edited and people have their own, you know, interpretations of what they're seeing or what they want to see and things like that. I was born and raised in the state of Michigan, which is very close to Minnesota, though. Okay, very close. Yes, yes. And um, in fact, I'm heading out there tomorrow to visit my family and my brother's coming into town. Um uh. 
from Colorado, so I'll see my nieces and stuff. But anyway, um, I, you know, a, a typical growing up period, uh, average neighborhood. Uh, my father worked for Ford Motor Company. I'm the only little person in my family. I've got, I had two older sisters. My, one of my, my well, my oldest sister passed away this past January. And my brother is average height. So anyway, my whole family's is average height besides me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back in those days, like any parent who has a child that is physically challenged or mentally challenged or whatever it may be in those mm-hmm. days, it's a lot different than it is, you know, in today's day. Right. And I can't imagine what my folks thought. Like, oh, my gosh, right. what are we going to do? This is a poor baby. We don't know anybody, you know? And, right. Um, well, one of the things that uh, my folks have told me, though, my uh, father had mentioned was, well, you know what, Pat, that's my mom's name. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to treat her and raise her just like our other kids. And if challenges happened or we don't know, we'll figure it out then. But there's no time to worry about it now. <laughs> and that is kind of the environment I grew up in. It's like, not necessarily the what if. Yes, you can plan, but you leave yourself for a little bit of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Some of the challenges that I did face, I'd have to say, was more me. Mm. You know, my parents did not cater to me. Oh, you know, Amy, she's a dwarf. She's a little person. You got to make and accommodate everything for her at the house and, you know, school and everything like that. And to me, that was one of the best things that they did not do was accommodate me within the household just because I was a little person. Mm -hmm. They said, you know what? This is your home too. How are you going to adapt? What do you need? How are you going to figure out situations? Because once I walk outside that front door of the home that I grew up in, the world is not accommodating to me. Mm -hmm. I hang out with friends, go to school, you know, things are tall or I can't reach a lot of things. My life is not going to accommodate me. So I have to go into life and say, how do I want to live? Who do I want to be friends with? What are some of my choices? And how do I make those things happen? So I love the environment that my parents um, raised me in. We had stools all over the house, especially in the kitchen. I had a stool in my uh, bedroom to reach, you know, the sinks and the water faucets and even the hangers, you know, clothes in my closet. It's not like my folks necessarily put down a, a lower, um, <clears throat> what is it, a clothes rod or whatever. Uh-huh, in the closet. Uh-huh. Because to them, it's like, what are you going to do, Amy? And wow. it made me more comfortable to figure that out in an environment that, yeah, if I couldn't figure it out or if I failed or whatever it is, how do you pick yourself up? And to me, that was easier to do in a comfortable situation, in an environment that I knew. So if it happened once I walked out that door, I'd say, come on, Amy, you can figure this out. Really? Mm -hmm. You did it back at home. So if you can't reach the school supplies or, excuse me, or, you know, the playground activities, the swings or whatever it may be, to learn to communicate as best I could to maybe my friends or my teachers. Now, I'll go back to the talent of me growing up. But for some reason, as much and a positive experience that I had growing up, sometimes I think intellectually, mentally, our perceptions of ourselves 
and what we perceive the world sees in us mm-hmm. is completely different than what actual reality is. I tried so hard. I'm a pleaser. I tried mm-hmm. so hard to please other people. I did my best to be like other people, meaning a little person trying to be every type. Mm-hmm. Well, there's nothing on this green planet that is going to make me every type. And right. I usually say every type instead of normal because, well, I'm normal for a little person. Yeah, right. And I'm not unnormal or anything. I'm just a little person. I'm a dwarf. It is what it is. Every type people, well, are um, normal people or what people would call normal people. I say, no, you're just every type. Because in mm-hmm. my world, you're an average type. Mm-hmm. I remember going to a speaking engagement, and uh, I think it was talking a little bit on diversity and stuff like that. I said, in my world, I don't care whether you're black, whether you're gay, whether you're a different culture, whether you're anything. Because in my world, type. And what I kept trying to do was to be like other people, dress like other people, make sure I walk like other people. So, you know, no matter what I tried to do, it's, I'm not going to be advertised. So it's right. been years and years. So I really prevented myself from taking advantage of opportunities, maybe in friendships. Um, I always loved kids. I always was thinking about wanting to be a teacher. I went into college wanting to be a teacher. And I even knew other little people that were a teacher. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I never perceived, well, how can I be a teacher? What's the principal oh. going to say? Oh. Well, what are the parents going to think? All these kids are going to be... I mean, I think back right now at the things I told myself, no, can't, these roadblocks that I put in front of me. It's like people necessarily make roadblocks. I truly right. believe I probably put up more for myself than other people. And so I, I love that. I love I, that. I, I love never, that insight, yeah. Amy, because... I love that, that, you know, it's kind of like I remember one time hearing Dr. Phil say, um, you know, you think so much about what other people are thinking about you. Let me yeah. tell you, they're yeah. not thinking about you. And yeah. I remember just yeah. kind of, you know, when you talked, especially I know that you go into the schools and, you know, there is it's that true. age range from 12 to about 16, 17, where the kids really do just think that everybody is thinking about them, talking about them, making judgments of them. And the reality is Mm -hmm. no one is. And and really, if you were to talk to them and at least no one, at least no one is as much as you think. Yes, exactly. Eyes are not on you. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So how do you address I, that? I love what you talked about, you know, where your parents didn't accommodate you and you had that the um, you had that uh, training to think for yourself, mm-hmm. figure it out for yourself um, and then face whatever challenges you had to face. How do you see that changing when you go into the schools and you talk about bullying or you talk to other parents who have uh, children or family members that have different challenges, whatever they might be. How do you think it's changed, the mindset has changed? And do you ever run into controversy, you know, by having to say maybe to, you know, how they have that term helicopter parenting, um, where yeah. you have to say to a group of parents, yeah. you need to let it go. Do you ever do that? You know, I probably don't do it. I, I haven't had quite as many opportunities to say that in a mass, you know, in a, in a large crowd, but I definitely tell it to individuals or smaller groups of parents. 
I mean, it, it, it definitely is one of the things that, you know, my parents never did. But that was a different time. Yeah. I think, you know, parents need to be advocates. Do not get me wrong. Parents definitely need to be advocates for their kids. But right. I think they need to pick and choose those times when they truly are advocates for their kids. Because, right. again, I truly believe that if you advocate for everything from kindergarten on up, every little thing for your kid, they're going to think, well, people have to accommodate for me. People have to do this for me because it makes me feel better. I can't do this. So you have to help me. You have to give this to me. You have to provide this opportunity to me. And it's like, no, they don't. Yeah. They don't need to do that. Not on every single um, issue or situation. So, right. again, I truly believe that people need to advocate. The one thing that I do tell parents is, um, especially for kids that are understand what's happening in their world. I mean, there's a lot of disability kids that still understand the intellectual or, uh, you know, other um concerns like autism and cerebral palsy and stuff like that who may not be able to communicate as well. You know, mm-hmm. a parent needs to be there. But right. as my parents did, and I tell other average size parents of work children, let them fall, but teach them how to pick themselves up. Because yeah. to me, that is the most valuable thing that you can teach and encourage your child. Help mm-hmm. them to learn to fail. Because Everyone is saying, I succeed, I'm success, let's be successful. Our brain is all about being successful. Well, what does successful really mean? It's different for each and every person. Right. Wow, that's such a great message. I love that, too. Let them fail, but then teach them how to get back up again. And even more, I I would wager to guess, if you were to talk to your kids, probably you did, you taught them more just by your example than you even did by your words. Yeah. I mean, I, when I watch you on the show yeah. and I've seen you, you, you know, you and I have some, uh, you know, associates that, you know, in, in common and, um, you're, you're just, you're just going. I mean, you're just like the energizer bunny. You're just going a hundred miles an hour and if there's something that needs yeah. to be done. You're just yeah. in there doing it. And I would wager to guess that yeah. your kids probably are like, holy crud. I guess, I guess if mom's going to go yeah. clean the garage out, what excuse do I have for, for not cleaning the garage out? Yeah. So you probably, oh, yeah. you know, example is a huge thing of getting, getting back up again and, and, um, just facing your challenges. Well, there have been many. Yeah. I, I will, I will definitely admit, you know, like I said before, there are many things that I let go. And as, you know, the older you get, you look back and say, I wish I would have known now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or I wish I would, what I know now, I wish I would have mm-hmm. known back then. And, you know, that's always the case. I Believe me, I sure. have no regrets. But right. as life, you know, our learning moments, you know, learn right. from them. As I talk to, you know, some of the disability communities, too, as well as, you know, just regular everyday people. You know, to me, the disability community can be harsh to mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we live in a society of political correctness. I mm-hmm. do not like that word. I do not like the atmosphere that that has created. Mm-hmm. I think it's prevented a huge amount of communication and a wealth of information because everyone is so afraid to offend or say something wrong. And the right. minute you do, that one person will, you know, come up with the biggest thing and the whole group or office or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. has to change for that one person. Right. 
Right. I know I talk about that a little bit, uh, in one of my, one of my entries. I talk about how I was, I was working out with the trainer one time and I said something about how I have to lift my son and, and by lifting him two or three times a day, I'm getting my arm exercise in. And so he jokingly said, um, oh, so you have a built in dumbbell. And I laughed and I said, yeah, I guess I do, you know, but I always reflect on that because I think, you know, how offended someone might have gotten. Uh, if, if that poor guy would have said, you know, you have a built in dumbbell that, you know, someone might have said, how dare you call my child with cerebral palsy a dumbbell? You know what I mean? I think it limits communication and stuff. And, uh, and you know, for me, I don't expect people to understand being a dwarf, but it's my job to let them know. Yeah, right. I can do that, but I might have to figure out this way or I might have to use a stool or I'm not going to walk as fast as you on this hike. But I'm not going to stop you from getting farther ahead. And maybe you'll wait for me and let me catch up or right. something like that. You know, in the disability community, it's like, don't be so PC and offended because someone said something wrong. Right. Help them right. to understand what it may be like in your shoes. And I think right. it softens the atmosphere and people can feel a lot more safer and encouraging and like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So what? You're in a wheelchair, but you're just like me, you know, type right. of thing. Right. And how do you, how do you, um, uh, do you, how do I say it? You don't correct people, but like I, I was telling my daughter that I was going to have you on as a guest and, and I was saying how, you know, my yeah. show, it's all about, you know, having, getting through life's challenges, whether you have a disability or whether you, you know, whatever, you know, or a medical illness or something like that. And she said, um, how does Amy feel about the word disability? I said, I don't know. I guess I'll ask her, you know. Um, so, I mean, when people, do people sometimes say, uh, what's it like living with this disability? And then you have to say, well, it's not really a disability. Or how do you correct that political correctness when it comes to things like that? It's tough for me because I think a part of me growing up, as much as my parents created a wonderful, wonderful home environment for me, my perception of me was some people perceive me as disabled, you know, on the one side of the line, if they, if it fits better for them. But on the other side, they're like, well, you can't have that title. And he says, look at you can do anything. Oh. I, it's like, what world do I really fit in? So you can't win. I mean, you're, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Or I'm making myself not win. And that is where some of this attitude and challenges that we have within ourselves is that really what we're perceiving that other people are either doing to us or not providing that opportunity or not liking us or whatever. Right. So when they say, oh, disabled, I'm like, I count myself very fortunate being Right. right now, the moment in my life, still able to walk, still able to hike, still able to drive, still able to move and do all sorts of things because I know a lot of other little people that are having definite health challenges at my age with back Mm -hmm. surgeries and and limited mobility and having to ride scooters and not being able to walk from one end of the parking lot to the next. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, thank you, God. Please keep me this way, at least till I have grandkids and I can hang out with them for a little bit. So, right. you know, I say, 
it, yeah, it's, it, you know, to you, I may be disabled and there are a lot of things I can't do. Right. But there are a lot of things that I can. And that's what I hang on to each and every day because each and every day it is a struggle. I, I, I fight my own attitude uh, right. uh, about things. And, you know, it's cost me, you know, in, in certain things, but I look at each day, well, this is a new opportunity to do better. <laughs> Right, right. Well, and I love that perspective because, you know, um, we all age and we all find ourselves going, God, your brain says Mm -hmm. you can do one thing. Your body is like, hello, you're 60. That's not going to happen or you can't do it as well or you can't do it for as long, Mm -hmm. you know, hike, stay up. I used to stay up all night like you. You know, you have four kids. I had six kids. And the only time I would ever get anything Mm -hmm. done was when everyone went to sleep. So I would stay up all night and clean and do anything I needed to do. It had to be done at night while everyone was asleep. And I remember my mom saying to me one time, oh, I can't do that. I remember thinking, well, you could if you wanted to, you know. And now that I've gotten older, now I just kind of go, well, that's not going to get done. And I have to go to bed. I'm tired. You know, Maybe I might have to get up a little earlier. But so we all age. And so, and you know, you're going to age, and so your, you know, physical things yeah. are going to affect you the way mine is. Yeah. But I think I'll, mm-hmm. I just read an article or saw something the other day, and they were talking about this. Um, the the uh, I, I think it's a a, a very uh, bad influence right now is this idea that we can all do everything. That all of us have to yeah. do everything. We have, yeah. we have to have a Pinterest party. Yeah. We have to have a craft. We have to have a musical yeah. talent. We have to do this. And we're not allowed to be individuals mm-hmm. anymore and accept, you know, like you said, you have a talent. I, I've never played soccer. I've never wanted to play soccer. That yeah. was something that you enjoyed yeah. and you did, did it to the best mm-hmm. of your ability. But you can look at someone else and say, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't really like to, uh, crochet yeah. and that, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so, like you say, I think that drive that we all have to do everything and we can't accept our strengths anymore and just play with that mm-hmm. and, you know, and and go with what our strength is and let these other things go. And so I love I love yeah. that message that you it's you're this you're the same way. You have strengths. You have weaknesses. Yeah. We all have strengths. We have weaknesses. And and we just need to, you know, and fertilize those strengths. People. And I think when more and more people begin to really appreciate what they can, what they don't want to do, and what they basically can't do, I think the better off that we will do. And slowly that change in society's perception that we cannot do everything. And we can right. definitely not be good at everything. But right. we should at least have the opportunity to try and see. We don't know. If we don't try, right. whether we can be good exactly. at it or if whether we like it or whatever it may be. I mean, I take the right. example of my son, um, uh, Zachary, who is my only uh, little person child out of four kids. Right. Um, he loves soccer. He absolutely yeah. loves it. You know, he's got this twin brother, Jeremy, who can basically do anything and yeah. basically do it well enough that everyone thinks he's, you know, probably the greatest thing on the planet. Which he is a great person. But in Zachary's world, it's like, well, I want to be a soccer player. So as a mom, and I know you've experienced a lot of this too, Renee, you know, with, I think, uh, your son. But, you know, as a parent, I'm like, how do I tell this boy of mine, not necessarily you can't, but helping him to 
ease into his own perception that the likelihood of you being an MLS player, major league, major league <laughs> soccer player, is going right. to be like zero point zero zero one percent or whatever. Right, right. So instead, I said, you know what? You are a great player, Zach. And he coaches uh, competitive youth soccer right now. I said, you're an awesome player. And the one thing that you have for you is that you know every perspective of this game because you needed to in order to be the player that you are. But broaden your horizon. Okay, so you can't be a player. What about player development? What about recruitment? Members here in Portland. You know, there's so many other things, part of soccer that you can contribute and add value to. So don't get stuck on the one thing that you may not be able to have that opportunity of doing. So helping, you know, parents, helping their kids. Yes, you do have an opportunity at everything. At least the ability to try and see. Right. But the likelihood that you're going to be good at it and you'll enjoy it, that's unrealistic. And I think we set up unrealistic expectations in our children, in society, and I think it limits dreaming, imagination. Yeah. And it, it, and I think it helps to, um, uh, it, it, it almost encourages the depression and the self-deprecation because to say to the kids, you can be anything you want to be, if you just put your mindset, you can do it. But the reality is, you know, if, like I have a, a my, one of my best friends, is a, a fabulous, and she was in ballet her whole life. Her ch- her daughters were in ballet. The reality was her one daughter is 5'9", almost 5'10". She might even be 5'10". So the reality of someone who's 5'10", being a ballerina, is very low because she's too tall. She's By the time she puts her point shoes on and tries to find a fellow dancer, a male dancer that she can dance with, it's not going to happen. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it all, I mean, I watch, I love, uh, Ninja Warriors, American Ninja Warriors, and I look at the people that compete, and there's a certain height, and there's a certain weight that, that mm-hmm. they do better. Uh, there's yeah. an arm length, yeah. you know, people that have a little bit of an, a longer arm, uh, they're able to reach that bar a little bit easier. And so, you know, but the, does that stop them from being professional rock climbers? No. But does that make them the winner on American Ninja Warriors? Maybe not. Maybe that little tiny person, the person that's 5'7", weighs 150 pounds, is going to do better than the six-foot guy or, you know, whatever. So, I mean, there's all there's always a physical thing that goes into a professional sport. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a certain height or a certain weight, it's a good chance you're not going to be a gymnast or, you know, you're not going to fall into that category. So, uh, but I think in being honest about that and, and not saying, you know, the, like you say, the political correctness, it, in, it filters into yeah. even as parents, we feel like, yeah. can we say to our children, um, that might not be the sport for you, you're too tall, or that might not be the thing for you, you know, like in my case, I have a, a my entire family, we're just all a little hyperactive. And so, yeah. you know, my my mother who is not hyperactive and she does crocheting and needlepoint. And right now she's into coloring and she just does these beautiful, these beautiful paintings, this coloring uh, craze that's going on. And she said, Oh, you should go get some crayons. You would love this. And I said, I would rather stick pins in my eyes than sit (laughs) on a sofa and color. 
you know, yeah. if, if, unless there's movement involved, I'm not interested. Yeah. I am okay with that. And she's okay with, she's like, ah, you're not like me at all, you know, and we laugh about it. But it, you well, know, is it okay? The other thing too, is to stop really comparing ourselves to everybody over every single thing. Like, you yes. know, the example you brought up about the gymnast. Okay, yeah. yeah, you may not be a professional gymnast, but if you still enjoy that kind of activity, then, okay, maybe you still just do it as recreational or as a hobby yeah, or, right. you know, whatever it may be. It, it doesn't mean that just because you don't reach this certain level of this person that you're eyeing, that, you know, that's your motivating factor to be like, you know, don't, don't lose the fact that if you still enjoy it, this still makes you who you are and gives you something about yourself in other things that you may incorporate in your life. Exactly. Exactly. That's so true. And we've, and I think that the media and the fame that you see that people reach, it does hinder people. They, you know, like I enjoy, um, I enjoy my radio show. You know, mm-hmm. am I a Howard Stern? No, I'm not Howard Stern, but I'm really enjoying talking with you. So, you know, it's a, a perfect example, you know, of, of mm-hmm. keeping mm-hmm. with your hobbies and your interests and doing what you enjoy doing and letting go of this persona that unless you're being paid or you're on a stage in New York, that it wasn't worth it. It's not yeah. worth it. Well, it's like and you, you have no worth. So I, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, I would love to do that as well. But like yeah. speaking engagements when I go out, it's like, okay, don't compare yourself to other speakers. Because right. once you start doing that, then you lose track on toning or zoning in on what would make me the best speaker that I need to be in order to communicate to the groups and the other people that ask me to go speak uh, yeah. know, at their events. Because right. when you compare yourself, it's like you lose your own quality to get better at or to appreciate. Or maybe some of the qualities that, hmm, I should maybe get rid of that one and focus more on this one. But when we keep right. comparing ourselves to be more like that, whatever that is out there, I think we truly lose the fact of how are you going to be the best that you can be when you're trying to be the best of someone else. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a life journey, but I, I, I have zoned back on that. It's like, Amy, you're not going to please everyone in this audience. That is an impossibility that you and what you say, everything, the hundreds of people are going to get it or get something out of it. But if you believe the few, then be okay with that. You are successful. You did well. Yeah. Yeah. In any kind of business, no matter what the business is, the idea that you will please everyone or that what you have to offer is for everyone is probably the biggest mistake in any yeah. kind of life, career, or business, because you will not appeal or reach every single person. That's so important. Yeah. I love that message. Yeah. So h- how on earth did TLC find you in Hillsborough, Oregon? I know. Isn't that a crazy thing? I mean, because yeah. people, when we first started off the reality show, with our reality show, there wasn't the slew of shows out there now. I mean, you might have had, I think it's come back now, I think that Big Brother show that has come back, or Real World, oh, yeah. I think, was one of the few, and it might have even been the Osborne on back then. I mean, there were a few reality shows, but it wasn't the genre that it is right now. Anyway, oh, yeah. um, I think we did a lot of local television, local newspapers, 
Um, we had a local Oregonian reporter, and um, I think she did an article on us. For some reason, the New York Times picked it up. We had an article in People magazine. So anyway, we got into some national media a little bit. And nice. back then, I think a lot of the producers had to go find the story. You know, oh, this looks like yeah. an interesting family. Maybe they'll be a good show. Or, you know, they're yeah. different enough yeah. and everything like that. So um, we started, in my world, we probably started doing TV about 13 years ago. And because we went into a pilot. And we put a pilot together, and uh, I think he submitted it to CBS or something like that. Well, they didn't want it. You know, they said, no, you know, we don't get it, whatever they answer it. Right, And then he said, but you know what? There were three families with us. And this producer said, there's still something I believe in this family that I think would be a great show, a great learning show, education, advocate, great family and dynamics and stuff. So we went ahead six months later or whatever it is, did another pilot. He pitched it and DLC picked it up. And so we started um, uh, doing episodes back in 2006. And we're currently in uh, in our 11th season. And episodes are airing right now on Tuesday night. And the last episode, um, I think it's October, or no, um, August 25th will be my son's wedding. So oh we, we currently have shows on right now. But it's definitely been a journey. I, I still haven't quite embraced celebrityness because mm-hmm. I think the expectations that people place on others with that term is right. much higher than I would like to be. And so I, I kind of kid around when people say, hey, there's the celebrity. And I said, yeah. yeah. That's what they keep calling me. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they I keep saying that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what they keep yeah. saying and telling me. And, um, but, well, you know, and I think I, it's amazing how, and I, you'll have to talk just a little bit about, um, just the, um, audacity of people to feel as though they have a, a right to make a judgment on absolutely everything and anything. And, and to, I, I swear, no matter how many times people are told, there, this photo is photoshopped. This photo was staged. This, yeah. per, you know, people kind of know it, but yet they mm-hmm. still don't believe it. And so when yeah. they see real reality, like I think some yeah. of the reality shows are not even reality shows anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, they're still scripted and staged. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, how have you handled that? You know, it's it, it, it's one of the things that um, I've tried real hard in myself along with my kids, is how do I keep them humble in that let's just be gracious and thankful for the opportunity that we get through television. I think we've done a great thing of educating and advocating, not only for little people, but I'm hoping people that just physically on the outward just look different. Yeah, we have a lot more layers of the onion to get through, but basically, we're just like you. I mean, we feel, we hurt. We dream, we imagine, we want to be the best that we can be. So I think when people saw our show, yeah, they probably wanted to see what the little people are doing and ooh, how funny, you know, kooky and stuff like that. But after a while, they forgot that. And they're like, this is a family. Oh, my God. I do that with my it's husband or my kids. And It's so true. The difference was huge at first, but it quickly went away, and the similarities became much more important. One of the things that when people come up to me, oh, I want a picture and blah, blah, blah. You know, at first I was like, oh, wow, man, they want a picture of me. 
I wasn't even right. thinking about me being on TV. I was just thinking, oh, my God, I'm a little person. You yeah. got a picture with me? Really? Yeah. But then yeah. I thought, but again, Amy, it's not about you. It is about what you do for them in their own social circle. Because uh-huh. now that they can go back and say, oh, friends, family, guess who I got to meet? You know, and then that yeah. does something for them. But often I think some people can get caught up. Well, it's about me. Oh, it's all about me. Like, no, uh, not really. It's really yeah, not about yeah. you. It's, it's, it is for a moment in what you do. Right. I think when other people come up to you. And I right. think, you know, the only thing that bothers me when people come up to me is the rudeness and how oh. they forget etiquette. You know, if I'm talking to another fan or someone who's seen me on the show or seen me in a speaking engagement or whatever it may be, or at the store or whatever it is, you know, I'll be talking to that person. Well, other people will come up and say, well, it's all about me. Hey, Amy, I, I need a picture and an autograph, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. How did you suddenly become more important than this other fan or whatever that I'm talking to? Right. And I get, it's like, Amy, just calm down. <laughs> And I just turned around and said, I'll be with you in a minute. I'm talking to this person right now. And this other person feels so awkward, but it's like, no, because you're important too. And I was talking to you first. So to me, that is really the only thing is like some of the the etiquette and rudeness and the assumptions Mm -hmm. that we do. And no, it's, it's, yes, I am a celebrity, and I appreciate it, and I love it. It's provided me lots of opportunities that I wouldn't have received, but it has right. also, I've learned a lot about me. I've, I've grown in, in this opportunity experience, as well as not liking it sometimes. I mean, my right, home right. Not my home necessarily anymore. It's become public. It's become a business, and right. I spike that constantly. But I also think it's made me, it's, it's kept me humble. It's, it's right. kept me like, yes, I get this opportunity, but there's a lot of great stories out there and that I get to hear, especially on our farm during pumpkin season, speaking engagements, because suddenly everyone wants, just like you, everyone wants to tell you their story. And I'm like, wow, yeah. well, you inspire me. What in the world? So yeah. I, I appreciate the opportunity that, that, that yeah. we I, I hope I well, do well by my kids by keeping them having a real childhood still, too. Yeah. 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 And I think you did a great job. And I think that's such an important message that the idea that someone is a celebrity or famous in some way, that the laws of etiquette or just rudeness or politeness in general do seem to slip away. And, you know, I hear that all the time when you're talking to people. I hear people on talk shows and they'll talk about people, you know, sliding a piece of paper underneath the bathroom stall. Could you sign this? You know, and you think, would you do that to anybody else? Why do or or bothering people when they're at a restaurant having dinner? Would you go up to any other table and say, excuse me, uh, I love your blouse. Where would you know? I mean, I don't know. But there is there is just common sense etiquette that seems mm-hmm. to just go whoa, right out the brain when you see someone that has any kind of fame. And and uh, that's that's so true. And, well, and it, had, it, uh, it, go ahead. said something about um, schools and bullying and stuff. I think yeah. the celebrity experience, and especially with the Internet that's out there now. I mean, again. 
cell phones have come a long way since we've been doing this 13 years ago. Gosh, and, yeah. you know, with some of the, the, the comments that we have received, my kids have received, we've had yeah. a few threats, you know, over, over the years. And that's why kids and what they're going through means so much to me because it's like I as an adult cringe at it and think, oh, my gosh, am I just not good enough? These people are saying horrible things. I'm not a good mom. I'm this. I'm not. And then I go back and think about all these young people, and I'm like, what are we doing? You guys, what are you doing for each other? And so when I go into schools, I haven't, I'd I'd like more opportunities for that. But when I go into schools, I like to reverse it and stuff and say, this is the time that it may be okay, depending on how you do it, to be selfish. Don't try and be like the girl next to you, your best friend, that cheerleader, or that football player, or that star soccer player, or the person that is so smart in class or whatever. This is the time to be selfish. Learn to appreciate and um, um, accept yourself. Learn to respect you. And learn to love and have compassion for you. And you'd be surprised at the amount of freedom you have because once you begin to be okay with you, it's, it's not going to mean that it's not going to hurt when someone says right. these things and things like that. But you're like, but I feel okay with me. And now I'm going to help you be okay with you. You know, yeah. you don't feel the need to degrade and name call and some of these horrible things. Because wow. one of the uh, TSA statements, um, I think it, and this is my perception of it, and my daughter right. gave me a different perception of it, but I think it came from the gay community because they were, you know, helping the, you know, young people who, you know, are facing this and, you know, coming yeah. out of everything. And that it gets better, right. you know, it gets better. And I thought to myself, and I said, no, it doesn't. It just gets yeah. different. Because when you're an adult, yeah. you can handle those situations different. But, you know, there's a lot of women. And even some men that I've talked to, they get it in the work world. Your boss is oh. a bully. Your coworkers are a bully. There's relationships. It, and we still, you know, put ourselves in those. To me, it doesn't end just because you got out of junior high or, right. or even college. Yeah. I really want right. to help these young people. Learn. Look at you. Look at yourself in the mirror. You're awesome. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Don't be like anybody else. Because I've been there. Right. It doesn't work. Right. I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the internet, social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever that is. We're all trying to have a brand. We're all trying to market ourselves, put up this big, pretty package so that people will like us and accept us and everything. And I think it really has a good chance and an opportunity to inhibit some of these young people. Just be you. Just be real. What is wrong with just being you and being real? That, to me, is an awesome brand, too. Don't always put up the big, pretty package. But with social media, it's like these young people are like, oh, I just posted this Instagram. Look at how many likes I got. Oh, I'm so excited, you know? Did you put it up because you wanted to see how many likes? Or did you put it up because it's like, I love this picture. I love this scene with this friend. I love this uh, 
travel trip or wherever you went or whatever it may be. It's like, what is the reason you're doing this for? You know? And um, yeah. so I, I think, you know, it, it, the Internet is a great thing. Don't get me wrong. It definitely is a great thing. I've kept in contact with a lot of good friends and family members out in Michigan. But I yep. think um, for a lot of things, it, it, it's not good. It's, yeah. We, we, it ran away with us. <laughs> and we right. ran with that. And you know, and there's a good, there, uh, I listened to someone yesterday talk about exactly what you're saying with the need to please, the need to be yeah. rewarded for your behavior. So in, yeah. in the past, you would do a book report or you would do a, a homework assignment and you would mm-hmm. hand it into your teacher and you would hope that you would get an A or you would hope that the yeah. teacher would say, good job, excellent essay. Yeah. And so human nature is now doing the same thing where you post a picture and you're waiting for the reward. Did yeah. you like it? Yeah. Am I great? Yeah. Did I, you know, and so yeah. there's the social media has taken, I think, a natural tendency of human nature and then amplified it to a point of craziness. Um, because we've all, we all have that. The reason why we, you know, mow our yards and, and, and manicure yeah. our lawns is so that we, you know, a neighbor might come over and say, wow, your lawn looks great. And you're like, yeah, I mean, thank good. you. I mean, right. It's not a bad thing. I mean, that's no. a bad thing because you feel proud of your accomplishment and you yeah. And this makes you feel good having a nice yard or pretty flowers. And that is a great thing. Right. Because we all, like you said, we all want acolytes and appreciation and value and, and, and having someone see some of those qualities in us. Right. I think it comes to a point when those qualities just aren't enough anymore. And, yeah. you know, some of these uh, um, uh, reality shows. Some of the right. things that these young people are posting, and even adults are posting, you know, pictures of it. We're, we're, we're having to go farther and farther and farther to garner that, oh, look at me. I was the first one. I was the only one. I, I posted this radical, insane, you know, uh, not a very good, you know, picture just to get that reaction. Yeah, just yeah. To, just yeah. to get that, that, you know, that. Yeah, that's so some kind of reaction yeah. from some from 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 the world of people yeah. that aren't even close to us or even aren't even in our world. It's so and true. They're not good. They're, they're really no. not good pictures. And I think these young people are looking at, at that and saying, well, look at the acolytes they get. Look at how far they got because they posted this half nude picture or whatever it is yes, uh, yes. Of, of themselves. And I'm like, this is not healthy. This no, it's not. not. I, I want to appreciate growing old gracefully instead yeah. of, oh, how can I preserve the next 20 years and, you know, be 50 and look like I'm 30? Yeah, exactly. I know. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah. Well, Amy, you have reached that part of your life now. You've talked about it on your show. You're an empty nester and you're kind of looking around going, well, now what the heck am I supposed to do? Uh, so talk just for the next few minutes about what you are planning on doing and what's going to be the next chapter or the next act in your life. I like Jane Fonda where she, you know, I'm on act three of my mm-hmm. life. And what do you, mm-hmm. what are your plans for the next part of your life? Well, that is a wonderful question because my TV keeps asking me that too. And oh. <laughs> I will have to be honest with you. I don't have as clear of a picture as I would like. I'm used to like having an idea, not specific, but at least having an idea 
where I'm going, like in the next month, a year, whatever. And I think kids dictate that with all their activities and schedules. TV has definitely dictated that for my life. You know, hey, we're filming here, we're doing this, you know, we're doing that. Um, Even when I was married, you know, Matt and all his, uh, when he was working, and, you know, farm life dictated that. Right. And as a lot of those layers begin to fade away from their intensity like they were in my life, I'm like, oh, my gosh. You mean I get to think of me full time? Yeah. Odd. That feels kind of funny because I'm always thinking about my kids or what I need to do for TV or or Matt or the farm. And and I loved it all. Right. To say, besides being a mom, it wasn't exactly specific to me. Right. I think some of the things I'd love to do is, you know, little people, big world will keep going on as long as it makes sense. And, you know, people are still getting something out of it and things like that, that maybe, um, another particular show or some other opportunity in the media would come through. Because I still, you know, even though there have been a lot of reality shows on little people, I still want to see other people if it's natural and if it's real, not just because, oh, we need to plop in a little person here. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, do some other media type of thing. Right. And just really expose that, that it's not my job to... How do I want to word this? It's like, I'm sorry that you may feel uncomfortable with someone that's different. Right. But that is not my ownership for you to figure it out. I will right. do my best to be the best of me, and hopefully slowly that will be the end for you to feel comfortable with being around door people or someone in a wheelchair, right. cerebral palsy or whatever. Right, And so right. I still want to be, you know, if an opportunity comes up, still something within the media. I love doing speaking engagements. Right. Um, I usually, you know, research when people ask me, and I realize that a lot of it is because I'm a celebrity, but I hope that when I get there, that they're like, wow, she's right. much more than just being this woman on little people, this mom on little people. Exactly. World. Right. And, um, you know, if that makes sense, I would love to work on a children's book um, yeah. in regards to being different or from my perspective and, and, yeah. and going from there and, you know, just, just some other opportunities like that. Um, I love yeah. to travel. And um, so I don't know. I, I'm really hoping that the good Lord will say, um, Amy, yeah. it's the path I want you to go on now. Yeah. And I really think <laughs> so that's the way, because like you to. said, in the beginning of the show, your parents told you, your dad, you know, when you were born, your dad said, we're not going to worry yeah. about this now. We're going to take our challenges yeah. as they come. And that's yeah. exactly, you know, how you started out your life. And now you've got this yeah. next part and you're going to do the yeah. same thing. You're going to take the challenges as they come and see what pathways yeah. are opened up. And, and I really, I, I think your show, has definitely done exactly what you hoped it would do. It took away that, um, uh, what's the term? You know, the, the rubbernecking looking at something that's different. It took that away and made your family just a family. And people started, yeah. like you said, yeah. watching the show because it was a mom and a dad and four kids going in a hundred yeah. different directions. And they, yeah. and I related to you as a mom of, of the family of crazy, busy kids and not as a little person slash yeah. mom. And, and I think that's what your show did. So, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. I want to continue this conversation for another 
four hours, but you have a plane to catch and children to get off on their honeymoon. So I'm going to let you yes, go. Well, hopefully I'll cross <laughs> right. again, Renee. Thank you so much. I, for me I hope so, too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.